All right, gentlemen, are we actually ready this time? We're ready this time. <laughs> Let's do it. Again. Welcome to another episode of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordran, joined this week by... The one true Ben. And... Mike. And, uh... Well, we, uh... We, we, we had some time to try and think about it for a little bit, and we decided we want to talk about, um... Parody movies. So this episode is a parody of a normal Geek Fanthology episode. Mm, does that mean we're, we're suddenly either going to... Does that mean we're suddenly going to be funny? Um, evidently, we're going to have to work on that. Hijinks will ensue, I'm sure. Okay, well... Of the zany variety. Of the zany variety. Yes, yes. indeed. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about parody movies and how they were good, and then they were crap. And then some of them are maybe being good again, I don't know. Right. Like, do they really make parody movies much anymore that don't go straight to DVD? I, I, I don't know. We're kind of like, we're, we're somewhere in between where it's like, we're thankful that the crappy ones have stopped, but we haven't really had good ones re come in to replace it yet. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, you've got... You've got We've gone from parody movies to Sharknado. Yeah, self-parody movies. <laughs> right. Yeah, movies that are so intentional. i got to say, though, Sharknado was fantastic. Now we just have movies that are terabout on purpose as opposed to parodying something else and being right. crappy. And Sci-Fi recently announced, um, what was it called? Uh, I think it was Zombie Ice Storm. Zombie Ice Storm. Yeah, see? I mean, it's uh. like... It's like those are intent. Those are those are pre. You know, those are B movies on purpose. Yes. So and there's something there's something fantastic about that. Right. But we'll get to all of that in a bit. Right. First off, geek news. It's been a little bit. Um, things have happened. Stuff. There's a big brouhaha between Sony and Marvel over um, Spider Man. Over Spider Man getting to be in the MCU or not. Um. It's a lot of... There, there's a lot of brouhaha. It's hard to unpack. Um, it's like, hey, yeah. I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hold up, kid. We got some zoning laws mm -hmm. to settle. <laughs> right. Only I, you're on the wrong side of the street. I can't rescue you if you're over there. Who owns my, this neighborhood? My favorite, my favorite meme that I've seen so far is something along the lines of... of it was, I think it was a, just a, a repetition of an old tweet, but it was a tweet from... Uh, from uh, Uncle Ben saying, please stop rebooting Spider-Man, I'm sick of dying. Yeah. <laughs> and which, which had a, re a response from uh, Martha and... Uh, and Thomas? What, yeah, Martha and Thomas yeah. Wayne saying, I know, right? <laughs> uh. Yeah, I've been a lot of uh, Uncle Ben-centric memes going on lately. Yeah. That's because if they end up having to, re if they do end up actually rebooting things, as opposed to just having Spider-Man suddenly not referencing the MCU, which I think is actually more the direction they're going to go, um, yeah. they might end up redoing the origin story, which would be a bad idea. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I feel like they've learned their lesson after Spider-Man: Homecoming worked so mm -hmm. well. Yeah, like, don't you don't like, need it. Yeah, stop doing so many origin stories. Like, right. yeah. Captain Marvel didn't have an origin story either, and like, pe pe you were divided on people were divided on that, but no one said, "Man, I wish I knew the origin of Captain." Mar like, she had. There's a little bit of her origin in the in the movie, yeah. but that's not the focus of the movie. Right. right. Yeah, for the most part, origin stories are played out. Yeah. Unless they're done really well, like Shazam was pretty solid for an origin story. Yeah, I feel yeah, like that really was good, was. Yeah. and that's kind of important anyway because you have to establish that. Like, that's yeah. a unique character. Like, it's a kid. 
Like, yeah. how, do, how does that work? You have to really get in his head and, like, see where he's coming from to make that work. I yeah. didn't particularly like Zachary Levi as Shazam, but... You didn't? No. Well, what about his, the non-Shazam self? Uh, the kid, I like just fine. Yeah. Like, it was the adult self, like... I felt like Zachary Levi was trying too hard Yeah. a lot of the time. Trying to be like, look at me, I'm a kid in a, in a grown-up's body. Right. Like, it looked like he was acting like a kid in a grown-up's body as opposed to it looking like he was a kid in a grown-up's body. Yeah. It looked well, like he was... It seemed like he was forcing it. I got it. Yeah. Well, you, you also didn't get the sense that he had watched his younger counterpart act through the same scene. Yeah, I mean, I think he did a pretty solid job in general, but I do agree with that, with the fact that it seemed a bit disconnected. It didn't seem mm-hmm. like there was continuity. It seemed more like, okay... Uh, just, you know, throw some spaghetti at the wall, Zach, and let's let's see how it goes. Yeah. And it's just him being zany. Yeah, like, like... There's not much of a reference to his... Like, right. Kid Billy Baxter didn't stuff. seem like the sort of kid who would floss. Yeah, well, and, and so, as for instance, um, when um, Hermione Granger... When, you know, when uh, Hermione was imitating uh, Bellatrix Strange, mm-hmm. Emma Watson did the scene first... And then, um, uh, Helena Bonham Carter. Helena, yeah, Helena Bonham Carter. How do you forget her name? She's in everything Tim Burton has ever made. <laughs> because, reason, I'm, oh, Ben is old. This is Ben is old joke. Uh, anyways, Helena Bonham to Carter. To be fair, it's one of those three name people. I yeah, three Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, like, and, and you got told that from me, of all people? Well, anyways, <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter did the scene after watching Emma Watson mm-hmm. play the scene, you know, out. You could see that. You can see when yeah. somebody is, is acting as if some, as if they watch somebody else mm-hmm. do the scene first. That also helps that Helena Bonham Carter is, you know, a classically trained Shakespearean actress, too. True, but she still had to see what Emma Watson's Hermione would do. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I think it was... You, you could get that sense, you know, just like, you know, Ewan McGregor... Channel fucking Obi Wan Kenobi. We didn't see that in Shazam. So, anyways, mm-hmm. but we're still in game. Quite the digression. Yes, we promise this is an, this is not a review of Shazam. <laughs> we don't have unmarked spoilers in it. <laughs> I mean, I guess the flossing, but I think that was in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, because that what no. Uh, anyways, um, so what else? Um, it's a dance, Ben. Yes, you're too old. I saw Shazam. Anyways, um... Yeah, uh, so aside from the Spider-Man thing, um, apparently they're going to do another Matrix movie because yes. reasons? Because, you know, because the, the, the Matrix didn't have a, uh, you know, a very, like, definite conclusion or anything. Yeah, well, right. since when has that stopped anyone on anything when it comes to Hollywood stuff? The world's a dynamic place. Yeah, I guess. I mean, there have been all kinds of beloved movies and franchises that had a very set ending and then they changed. I mean, forgot, this is, I mean, it's not exactly like a classic movie or anything, but this is a great example of that is Crank. Like, it ends with him falling out of a plane to his death. But no, somehow he's magically alive. There's an electric heart and all this stupid shit. Yeah. Which, by the way, that sequel is god-awful. Yeah, it is. The first Crank is an amazing action movie that's very self-aware. Go watch it. Maybe watch it twice. Never watch the sequel. It is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. It's like Airplane. Just PSA. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know the Matrix thing. Like, I have very mixed feelings. Part of me is like, 
well, that's kind of cool that you could get another bite at the apple, and Keanu Reeves has been awesome and on a roll lately. But then the other part of me is like, why dirty it up by trying to by revisiting this? And I don't know. Well, and they're they're redoing. I mean, they're doing Bill and Ted three. They're they're doing you know a third Bill and Ted movie. Maybe it's just the universe which involves energy. them both with which involves both of them being. Middle-aged, washed-up people. Well, this is right. very much in the realm of Clerks too. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like okay, well, we'll take the characters, and we kind of established that they're Arrested Development types anyway. Yeah. So that's lowercase, not, yeah. not the show. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it kind of works, you know, if they have right. a good script. And George Carlin's what daughter or granddaughter is is in it as Rufus's. Rufus's. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, yeah. I let me put it this way. I have more faith that the Bill and Ted movie will be good than I do that the Matrix movie will be good. That's not a good start place to start from. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a safe place to start. But it's an honest place. Yeah, right, right. No, it really isn't. Uh, well, I don't know. The Wachowskis do some pretty good shit. So, so but anyways. Um, you got you to gotta say... Um, Jupiter that, Ascending? Really? I loved Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending oh, was okay. Give me a break. I loved Jupiter Ascending. Speaking of Kirk Clerks too, just a very interesting little tidbit. Yeah. You know Kevin Smith has got to be happy that he didn't end Clerks the way he had initially planned to, which was with Dante getting shot at the very end of the movie and dying. Yeah, that was a really weird choice. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably feeling particularly artsy at the moment. He's like, oh, it's black and white. Yeah, it's black and white. I'm like, I'm totally a film... Because he was a film school student at the time he was making this. It's like... That, that that's like that's like for the, an art film. That's the uber yeah. dark comedy ending is right. kill the protagonist at the end and have a super downer ending. Right. And he's glad he didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because then he couldn't have had Clerks the animated series or Clerks too. Right. It's such a shame that that was so short lived. The animated it series was, was really amazing. funny. Yeah. It's extremely funny. It only lasts like six episodes. Only four of which actually aired. Yep. You have to get the DVD to actually watch all the episodes. Uh, they re-aired recently on uh, Adult Swim, which is the only oh, reason I cool. know about it. Right. Yeah, um, man, that was so great. So anyhow, uh, what other news? What oh, other digressions? Um, in in geek news that probably only Neil cares about, um, I'm going to hold this up for the for the microphone to see. My <laughs> four cop, my four different uh, Yakuza games are certain are t- soon to turn into seven. Uh, they have officially um, announced the uh, re- the release of the remasters for Yakuza three, four, and five. Um, Yakuza 3 remaster is available digitally right now. Um, 4 will be available in October. 5 will be available in February, which is also when the physical edition comes out, which will be a two-disc collector box set, which I have pre-ordered. I may like this game series a touch. A little too much. Uh, They're a lot of fun! Yakuza 2, Yakuza Kiwami 2, I should say specifically, has a has an has a completely built um, town. Well, no, it, uh, emulator of um, of the original Virtua Fighter in it, <laughs> so you can go to an arcade and just play Virtua Fighter. Game you, go to, you can go to you can play a game and play a game. You can play a game in the game. Uh, in Yakuza Zero, they had um, they had uh, Super Hang On, um, Outrun. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, is it Fantasy Zone have... and uh, Space Harrier too? Isn't that the one where you can have a chicken manage one of your properties? Yakuza Zero. Yes, that's the one where after bowling a turkey in the bowling mini game, you win a chicken, and that chicken 
is actually one of the best financial managers for this for the real estate mini game that the game offers. Well, it's good to hear he wasn't just a chicken little every time the market takes a dip. Right. This guy is falling. I mean, because that... The Yakuza games are so... You could so have laid an egg on that one. The Yakuza games are so ridiculously just... But... Balls out in insanity. But, you know, as a good financial manager, who can feather your nest for you? <laughs> right. And other puns. I have um, only myself to blame for starting that. But yeah, Yakuza 3, 4, and 5 are, know, going to, are getting an HD thing. remaster... <laughs> Which is really cool. Um, Yakuza 5, um, with the physical re-release, they're releasing a PS3 jewel case for Yakuza 5, which is a, a kind of humorous joke in the community because Yakuza 5 in the U.S. never got a physical release. Wow. So people who already have the original releases on their, on their you know, collector shelf, mm-hmm. I don't have one of those, but, uh, if, but if I did, people would be like, Okay, Yakuza, Yakuza, Yakuza two, Yakuza three, Yakuza four, Yakuza five, yeah, or sorry, Yakuza four, Yakuza six. Where's five? I own it. <laughs> oh. So people will be able to complete their uh, their you their YouTuber um, backdrop wall that proves yeah. that they are a gamer. Um, <laughs> Because look at all the cases behind me, you guys. Yeah, right. Obviously. To be fair, a lot of that is just how they would normally be anyway, because that's, yeah. they're doing their thing. But right. yeah, sometimes it's very much, you know, uh, orchestrated backdrop. Right. It's more impressive when it's cartridges. That's true. Because cases you can potentially get without the without having the game. If it's a game cartridge, yeah, it's the game right there. Right. What else? Um, um, well, oh, no. uh-huh. you had a thing. Yeah. Uh, August 30th, Netflix is releasing uh, The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. That wasn't the thing you had, but okay. That was one of the things I had. Okay. It was mentioned. It was mentioned. Um, And then what else did I have? Um, You had Star Wars. Oh, yes. The Mandalorian trailer dropped Mm -hmm. and broke YouTube. Evidently, its counter was stuck at like 497,303. Poor thing. So yeah. Um, Poor Disney. It looks good. Um, Poor. That's there's an interesting a, adjective to use, but okay. there's right. a lot on yeah, Disney Plus that is making me really very intrigued in their streaming service. That yeah. looks like because it's all or it's all their own original IPs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've got a lot of IPs that are worth looking at. I might actually end up uh, plunking. Well, not plunking down, but I might end, end up expanding my Hulu su- subscription for that. Yeah, me too. Wait, <laughs> is that a thing? Yeah. yeah. Expand. Oh, okay. Because yeah, there, there is Plus. a there's going to be a Disney Plus add-on channel for Hulu. Oh, I see. Just so instead of having to pay Disney Plus and Hulu, you can just pay pay Hulu that much more. I see. But I assume it's the same price. I think so. It's just simplicity, right? Yeah. Can you get more for okay. the money? Yeah, I forgot that Hulu is part of Disney. So, so yeah. well, sort of. They have fifty uh, percent. They have like a. They own fifty percent of Hulu. Right. Yeah. So it's like. And you know, NBC owns the other fifty percent. That's a right. weird. Yeah, that's a weird arrangement. <laughs> right. Um. So, do we have anything else? Uh, there's a trailer for this video game, Predator Hunting Grounds. That's interesting. Are you playing as the Predator? 
uh, is both. It's one of those. It's like the Aliens vs. Predator, the AVP games that are on the PC, where you okay. can play as different. It it just mentions uh, predators and marines. It doesn't say anything about aliens in this one. Um, but regardless, it sounds pretty cool. I just hope it doesn't turn out to be like uh, you know, colonial marines. Colonial marines. Now all the games that have had predators in them have actually been good. Um, the best probably being AVP two, which was I want to say like. Early 2000s. I, I gotta disagree. I'd say the best game that had that, that had Predator in it was the Alien vs. Predator uh, beat-em-up arcade cabinet released by Sega. Yeah, that was a great game. That game was fantastic. Well, as, far as, as far as FPSs, that was the best one. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But yeah, it's like, you know, asymmetrical, competitive gameplay, you know. It's like playing like The Hidden. AVP and The Hidden and Evolve and all sorts of other games like that. Uh, there have been a lot of mods in that vein. But it's, it's cool. It's like, uh, basically... If you're part of the, uh, if you're humans, you're doing like a paramilitary operation. It's kind of like original Predator movie where it's like a spec ops team doing a thing and then oh, a predator okay. hunting them down. So you're not colonial marines, you're just marines. Or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So That's cool. Non-space related, it would seem. Very cool. But basically it's like you're doing your thing and you try to complete your objective. Meanwhile, the predator tries to hunt, hunt you down, kill you all, and take you as trophies. Or you're the predator trying to skulk around killing people before they get to complete their objective. So it's asymmetrical in the, in the truest sense of the word. But I, just as a quick digression, the hidden is responsible for some of the craziest like jump scares and tension I've ever had gaming. Like that, it, there's, not, there's nothing quite like that feeling of not quite knowing where the invisible psycho with the knife is as you're trying to go about your business. And then you just see <laughs> like this shooting, little... Shooting it, nothing, like you see this, this little yeah. glimmer. A slight little glimmer. And then yeah. you're dead. Well, it's like... And there's, there's so many fun mind games to play with it, too. Like, when you're the hidden, like, making noises to make them think you're somewhere else. And, like, when you, if you notice the hidden, like, pretending that you don't notice and, like, aiming somewhere else and flipping back around to shoot him in the face when he leaps at you. <laughs> right. Stuff like that, you know, it's, it's pretty great. But anyway, digression over. Uh, what else we got? Uh, for Switch owners who have heard how amazing The Witcher is but haven't had a chance to play, The Witcher 3 Complete Edition is coming out on the Switch on October the 15th. Very nice. Continuing Very nice. Nintendo's long, proud tradition of getting to things several years after the fact. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's a business model that's worked really damn well for them. This is true. Once again, like, of, of this generation of... Yeah, like if you count the switches in this generation of, of uh, yeah. like they they have had a very hard uh, control of the market for a couple for like a year or so. Like yeah. they have had more of the market share than Sony and Microsoft. Well, it's a uh, it's a win win really. I mean, they do their thing, they make their money, yeah. and people who are interested in the game that otherwise wouldn't play it or have an yeah. chance to get to play a solid version of it. And, and of course, the Wii was a just a machine that printed yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, cue all the memes. Uh, what else we got? Uh, a lot of a lot of Disney Plus related type stuff. They've been floating stuff about new series like Moon Knight, She Hulk, Miss Marvel. Yeah. Oh, and be because Disney is determined to do a live action version of every movie they've ever done. Uh, Lady in the Tramp. Tramp. It's like Tramp. yeah, Which, no, yeah. I don't really care about. At least they're dogs. yeah. No, I like. Disney, I I believe that the main reason that Disney is remaking all these movies is because their trademark is about to expire. Not their copyright, but their trademark. Yeah. Um, 
And it's just easy money, too, yeah. frankly. Yeah, well, that, and this is how Disney does gritty. Gritty realism. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we get to the meat and potatoes of the yeah, episode? let's do it. We've talked yes. for, you know, 20 minutes or so. Okay. All right, well, uh, spoiler of the week. This week is from Airplane. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. But I'm chink, yes. Um, it's the best parody parody spoiler we could come up with. Yeah, it's it, it's it's hard because they most of the time if you're if they're making if you're making a parody of a movie, it's, um, it's already fully very heavily spoiled. Exactly, you've got to go into it knowing what's going on <laughs> because otherwise you don't get half the jokes. Exactly, exactly. I think that's actually kind of why um, to sort of jump in the uh, the. Late seventies, eighties, and very early nineties parody movies worked as well as they did mm-hmm. because you didn't need because you didn't necessarily need uh, the entire body of knowledge. Yeah, Airplane is funny whether you've seen what you know any, what, any disaster movie ever. Yeah, whether you've seen travel disaster movies or not, it's just funny because the comedy works. Right. Well, yeah, and, he, and it makes, but it also it takes it takes on tropes mm-hmm. as opposed to specific <coughs> things. Yeah, you know, because airplane played on, you know, all of the all of the tropes of every disaster movie mm-hmm. ever. So you didn't have to watch a disaster. You know, you didn't have to watch an airplane movie. You could watch airplane, t- airplane, towering inferno, uh, the Poseidon adventure. You know, all of Excuse those. Excuse me, miss. I speak jive. <laughs> See, uh, yeah, that's the thing is, uh, it cast a wider net, so yeah. it tended to work better back then. I feel like. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't, and I don't think it was written so much as, like, I think it was primarily written as a comedy. And hey, you know, we can make fun of these things while we make a funny movie. Right. Well, well and yeah. like the the two jive the two jive talkers, <laughs> mm-hmm. that wasn't written as far as I as as far as I recall. That wasn't written by. The script writers, they basically brought these two guys in and said, "Do your thing." So you know, it was it was basically uh, it was basically um, it worked so well because it wasn't it was tongue in cheek from the best you know from the best possible source. Mm-hmm. You know, because that wasn't too that wasn't white that wasn't a couple of white guys trying to write for mm-hmm. for black people. It was a couple of white guys going. This is, you know, let's do this. It was funny, it, man. <laughs> it was funny as fuck. You know, especially when you get, you know, when you get, uh, who was that? The, uh, the, the nice old lady who just, yeah, man, like, just look like, you know, yeah. Just hang loose blood. Yeah, hang loose blood, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, they were always. Eminently quotable movie, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, it was eminently very quotable, and you had. Okay. Any movie that brings Leslie Nielsen into play, doing his straight man comedy. So, funny story about Leslie Nielsen, which is most are there of any them, other kind? Which is most of the, like originally when he was when he was cutting his teeth, he was cutting uh, as an actor. He was doing so in serious dramatic roles. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think it was what the Beside Adventure, where just he was randomly funny in it. Uh, I can't remember. Like there was there was a point where he was in a movie and was just really funny in it, and that was sort of became the sea change for him, for him. Right, where it kind of changed for him. Yeah, and no, it was, intended. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, let's see here. Man, over 100 films and 150 uh, TV shows. Yeah, he's... 220 characters. I mean, he was born in 26. Mm-hmm. Man was... Man. And, of course, Canadian. Uh, I mean, he was... He was in funny in Forbidden Planet, but that wasn't really intentional. intentionally. Right. <laughs> um, I attained Paris. Looking at, yeah, we're, we're both looking at it. I believe that was one of the earlier MST3Ks that they did, right? Hmm? Forbidden Planet. I think so. They never did Forbidden Planet. They didn't? No. Um, Maybe I just heard about it. It would be it would it was it would it's too it's too much of a like it's too much of a target rich environment. Yeah. Yeah. Either that, yeah they, they, couldn't get, they couldn't get the they couldn't get license to parody it. Um, huh. Yeah, I believe I I wanna say that it was uh that it was around um that it was actually around the Poseidon Adventure, where he just, where people realized just how funny he could be by playing the Seriously. ultimate straight, the serious straight man. Right. Yeah. And because he came from a traumatic background, he was able to do that very well. Yeah. Um, actually, it was Airplane where he really started. He really started taking comedy. Um, Lose something, Mike. Uh, just, uh, no card. It, it was, um, is this it? Is this your card? Yeah. Is this, is this your card? Um. Cause I, I remember seeing some YouTube video or reading some interview or something where, like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that, that, like, somebody said, seeing him in the Poseidon Adventure, I'm pretty sure it was the Poseidon Adventure, and was seeing him in Poseidon Adventure was why we cast him in Airplane. Yeah, because he could do straight lines and 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 he could just keep that that deadpan, mm. you know, to it. And airplane just cemented. The thing is that he had comedic he had comedic talent. His timing, he had timing. Yeah, he had timing. Well, and the uh, the line we started off with. Um, I am serious and don't call me Shirley. Right. Um, he basically that was that was kind of where. He he didn't think it was that funny. He just thought it was kind of funny, but he didn't you know he thought it was humorous, but he didn't think it would become that. Well, worse. here's the thing: if anyone else delivered that line, it might not have been that funny. Yeah, because he was the right person at the right time in the right context. Right with with the right material. Yeah, you know, and don't call me Shirley because you just the way you know, I, and that yeah, that's it's that, just one of those lines. It's hard for me to imagine anyone else delivering that doing it justice. Right. Well, and I think it comes back to movies that are so good they're bad. Um, in that the thing that we the thing that we determined that made a bad or so bad they're good. Yeah, I was gonna right? say yeah, so yeah, good so they're bad. bad. Yeah, now you just replay that in my head. Oh, so bad. I had a mouthful good. of food, so I couldn't say anything. Right. Uh, so bad that they're good is they take themselves seriously. Right. And Leslie Nielsen could play that seriousness right. for comedy. Yeah. He mm-hmm. could take. He could make it appear as though he was taking the roles. You know. As though the character yeah. was taking himself very seriously in that mm-hmm. moment, right? And I think that's what makes a good parody yeah. is that it appears to take itself seriously. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah. we got good movies. We got Airplane. We got uh, we got the Police, police Squad. squad. <laughs> well, the Police Squad was a, was a show first, and then became and then they made um, Police Story sh- uh, story uh, from the Naked Gun. Yeah, the Naked Gun sto- Police Squad stories. Yeah. Police Squad. Another funny little. Um, 
the, there's, there is a rumor going around, and I saw this once again in some YouTube video, because I watch so many YouTube videos, uh -huh. um, where one of the main reasons that Police Squad got canceled after only, like, ten episodes mm -hmm. was because it was too funny. Huh. Like... I can't remember the, the whole story, but it was like they also had to they ha also had to like get rid of a live studio audience because people of, of of like a test audience because the test audience would laugh through the entire thing, right? <laughs> um, and I want to say it was like re execs just were like, I can't follow what's going on. People are laughing too much. Yeah, they had to, and they were like, so it's not good because I can't follow it. Yeah. They just get rid of the audience. That's dumb. I can't remember the whole story. Like, I'm getting, you're getting this all like third hand. So, but right. well. and and the thing is, is that the weird thing about Airplane was the second movie was terrible by comparison to the first because the first just had that accidental chemistry, but then they went with Police Squad and the Naked Gun movies did better. You know. Um, because I think they were playing off of a tried and true premise. It's super weird seeing O.J. Simpson in those movies now. I know, I know, because he's the affable, you know. Yeah. You know. Um, that lovable murderer. Yeah, that lovable killer has some lovable. What's even weirder is now he's like blowing up social media. Right. That's yeah, just it's like he's discovered social media. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you know. He's a narcissist, so. Right. But I mean, one of my favorite sequences in police in the Police Squad movies, I can't remember which one it was, is where they're in the gunfight on the roof, and he pulls out the pistol and then starts adding things to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and ends up with like this, you know, this anti. Ends up with a goddamn howitzer. Howitzer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. That's like a cross between the like the literal cartoons where you get ridiculous stuff like that, like Warner <laughs> Brothers type cartoons and stuff. And then just, like, the ridiculousness of, like, Hollywood trying to portray a shootout. Yeah. Like, how weapons work in movies and stuff. Like, right. Like, you have the magazines that never run out of ammo, the guns that have essentially no recoil, being able to shoot two guns at the same time and somehow have your target actually acquired. Right. Like, it just, yeah, I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Well, and, and two then, guns at once is actually theoretically possible. It's just not, it's just so impractical as to be worthless. Well, that, and, yeah, well, I think if you fire two guns at once, you just can't hit a goddamn thing with them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, I can understand if you're talking about, like, machine pistols or something and just kind of spraying in a general direction. But when you're talking about pistols, fuck that. Yeah. I actually did that to see what it would be like, and I couldn't hit shit. I, I shot, like, know. 23 rounds and, like, hit with, like, three of them. Yeah, and I, I'm just, because I have a hard enough time hitting with one hand. But the other thing that, you know, and, and talking to, you know, military folks is, like, Special Forces operators do not use two guns at once. Why? Because you can't reload worth a damn. Yeah. Right. And you also, know. aiming down the sights, you can't yeah. exactly, you know, it's not easy to do that either. Right, um, exactly. You've got two guns going on. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's it's just, it's hilarious. But I love, you know, I love that they would make, but it was like there was, in, in Police Squad, uh, or in the Naked Gun, there was a part where they were shooting each other and they were basically on opposite sides of the same barrel. Right. I feel like we've had this discussion before. Uh, I, I don't think I have. I think we had this discussion in the So Bad It's Good episode. 
I don't recall doing, talking about that, but they were on the, so both sides of the same barrel. Either that, or I've had this discussion with you in a dream. Probably, because that, that happens to me all the time. Glitch in the Matrix. Yeah, Glitch in the Matrix. Um, well, they're making a fourth one, so... Yeah, yeah exactly. Again, many, many tropes. But yeah, with the police squad, I think the parody there was they played it so well, and they played it for laughs by doing it deadpan. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that was... Well, then you get, then you get Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm who does parodies that are that don't take themselves seriously but work yeah that's I mean, because frequently uh, well at least with some of them it's because they well well mainly it's because Mel Brooks is is one of the most uh, brilliant comedic writers of all time true and they, <laughs> they can take themselves not seriously but still appear but not have that because mm -hmm. um, they, they're, I guess he he does it broad, he does it broadly, broad comedy well, mm -hmm. um, and that, I think to me, that kind of started with with Blazing Saddles. Well, with the Mel Brooks stuff, it just it kind of depends. Like, right. Yeah. Some there are movies where they like the characters in it or the movie itself takes itself more seriously than others. Right. Like, I think a good example of that is Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Young Frankenstein is whatever it needs to be in the moment. Mm -hmm. There are some parts of the movie where they're like everyone is very like they're not playing things for laughs. They're like they're they're just acting like it's any other movie. And then there'll be something that comes up and it makes it all the more amusing when it does. You know? Right. Well, it's like um, the it's like the whole Frau Blucher thing. Um, they just, right. Exactly, thank you. I was waiting for that to happen. Uh, uh, they just did that because there was no underlying cause to that. Yeah. Just because she was supposed to be that fucking scary, so mm -hmm. it was a sting that happened every time. Yeah. Um, but then you have um, you have the whole thing with Igor's hump moving. Igor's hump moving. Right. Which was yeah, and and uh, wasn't the first time that happened just like a costuming error. An accident. And somebody was like, that's funny, leave it in. <laughs> right, that's funny. Yeah, you imagine, I, well, that happens a lot of times in movies. Let's leave that shit in. Um, because what, a lot of times that they, what, they, what they'll do in deadpan situations, or not deadpan, um, improv situations, they'll do the same take a dozen times with different improvs in it. Yeah. Um, but uh, is it Danny uh, played Igor? Is it... Uh, Feldman. Um, I forget. So you're back to the point where I don't know who I don't know actors' names. Okay, young Frankenstein. Or the whole the whole Frankenstein. You know, it's Frankenstein until he turns and it's Frankenstein. Yeah. So. Um, but <clears throat> I think that and that was '74. Mm -hmm. Mel Brooks was doing great stuff. You know. And yeah. then Terry Gar playing off of uh, off of um, oh god Gene Wilder Gene Wilder thank you um, and Marty Feldman I go sir damn your eyes too late sir <laughs> it's just it's just you and and thing is is Mel Brooks knows how to parody and he knows how to get the most out of his actors yeah and I think that's the big thing about a lot of parodies is you you can't. You couldn't have handed Young know, Frankenstein to say Kevin Smith. Also, he he trusts his actors. I feel like you might have been able to to hand it to Kevin Smith. You would have gotten a completely different film from Kevin Smith, because Kevin Smith's parody. Well, Kevin Smith. It still would have been good though. It would still been good, but it would have been a different film, and I, and I, I think. Um, 
and you get clerks, you know. But, you know, like, Young Frankenstein was deliberately done in black and white, even though in 74 he had, yeah. you know, yeah. he had color film to, to pull from. Because um, he can, yeah. Because he could. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can. <laughs> Which I have. Which I have. <laughs> I feel like... Princess uh, Bride is another parody film of the adventure films, the mm-hmm. adventure romance. Yeah, again, it's one of those things where it's a broadly applied thing and you don't have to necessarily see a specific movie or read a specific book. You just, like, everyone just kind of connects with that movie and just, yeah. like, intuitively. Right, you know, because it it's, a, it's a comedic adventure. Right. You know, yeah. which makes it a, a kind of a parody of the adventure, you know, the adventure romance. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, is, it has that very dry... Although it should also be pointed out, The Princess Bride... Is also a novel adaptation. Yeah, also true. Yeah, um, which is a bit meta since it's a movie about the grandpa reading the book, which was right. adapted from the book. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, anyway. it, it gets interesting. Yeah, it's it's, it's speaking of meta. Um, well, actually, I think we, we got to get we got to get through the other other things that we have out there because then we have the outright the other outright parody movies, which were to me of lesser quality. They were basically, hey, let's print some money. Um, which is to me a scary movie. Scary not, movie, not another team movie. Scary movies, one through. Well, yeah, it, it was. It was the Wayans brothers want to paycheck the movie. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I have nothing against the about against most of the Wayans brothers in terms of comedy. They're actually pretty funny. Yeah, and even, but even even but those movies were low effort. I mean, they well, there is yeah, they were. There's occasional movies where, like, you know, Wayne's are in them and they're very funny and they're good and everything. Yeah. Uh, I liked Major Pain. Uh, Major Pain was funny. Yeah, Major uh, Pain was good. Sure, actually, shortly after in Living Colors, I'm gonna get you, sucker, which I think is kind of underrated. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. But and that was, was another. For that matter, in Living Color was good. Well, that's what right. I was gonna say. Is my point was in Living Color, in, as far as I'm concerned, they peaked. Yeah. Nothing was ever quite as funny as in Living Color. And I think part of that is because they're all working together so closely. Mm-hmm. And they really brought out the best in everyone. Yeah, Whereas yeah. When, when they go off and do their own things, yeah, it's all well and good. And there's an occasional you know, good movie here and there. Like mm-hmm. Damon Wayans, of course, is, you know, he, he's one of the more successful ones. Um, and he had some... That Mo Money movie was pretty funny, too. Right. Uh, but, I mean, you know, every once in a while, there'd just be a movie where it's like, it's not great, but it's not bad either. Yeah. Like it's just kind of like, oh, there's a few laughs, and it's nothing to write home about. Like yeah. they never quite got as funny as they were in like peak I, and living. I color. do feel yeah. like when they were thirsty. The original yeah. scary movie was actually pretty funny. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think they just, I think they just tapped their. You know, like their, and now let's make four more because because horror movies have mil, have a million sequels. Yeah, that's yeah. the joke. It's a right? bit of a meta parody, <clears throat> right? Sense. If they had been smart, mm-hmm. what they should have done is the first one should have been released as Scary Movie Six, <laughs> right? Or the second one should that's have the, been released as Scary the, Movie Like Nine. Yeah, <laughs> that reminds um, me of like the the Final Fantasy conversion with Japan and America. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, we go yeah. from three to seven. Well, and, and then we get, you know, but then you... you uh, that was because course, of stupidity, though, other, that, as opposed to a conscious choice. Right. Yeah. Other par- other parody movies along those lines. Don't be a menace to society while drinking juice in the hood. Don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your gin and juice in the hood is the full title. And everyone just calls it Don't Be a Menace, for obvious reasons. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then... Uh, yeah, that one was pretty good, I think. Yeah. 
but then you know, then you get to oh, we mentioned not Mel another teen movie. This is obvious, uh, yeah. but it bears mentioning since we talked about Mel Brooks, Spaceballs, still one of the best parody movies of all time. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, really good. Um, and. Yeah, because Spaceballs was basically complete a complete riff on Star Wars. Yep. You know. Um, merchandising. Merchandising. Yeah. Well, that's what made it great, too, is that it wasn't just a direct, like, oh, hey, this is the thing you remember from the movie. It was like the whole phenomenon of Star Wars they sent up with the with the merchandising jokes right. and all, the, all that. Which was stuff. funny because one of the only reasons he was allowed to make it was because he promised he wouldn't merchandise it. <laughs> right. Oh, the irony. Yes. Oh, the irony. Well, so instead, then, he made it a portion of the movie. Right. <laughs> right? Well, and, and you know, which led to really great moments like you know, uh, you know, the fast forward scene. Right. <laughs> you know, don't play that again. Don't play that ever again. Well, the whole, the, the whole who's on first exchange between them. Right. Like, when will then be now? Soon. Right. Yeah. Like, like, just would, missed it. Yeah. Like, what, what about now? <laughs> It's like, when did you miss? When did that happen? Just now. By the way, it's like it is very much. A that's often referenced reference if someone is like, "Hey guys, I'm trying to understand how the time travel worked in Endgame," and you just like send them that clip, and you're like, "There you go." Yeah. <laughs> like, will then be now. Answer. Soon. <laughs> my, yeah. my typical response to to people complaining about the time travel in uh, Endgame is, "It's just a show. You should really just, just relax. relax. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about other science fiction facts." <laughs> It's just a show. You really should just relax. But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the 90s started to get really dicey in terms of parody movies. It's because they were making... It, it, they were making them old, like... They were being churned out in a factory manner. That was right. part of the problem. They weren't... Not very much effort was being put into them. Right. They were just... They were being brought... They were being too broad with it. I mean, yeah. when Mel Brooks did start... You know, did... Uh, Star Farce, uh, you know, Spaceballs, Spaceballs, yes. Um, you know, he was directly parroting, he was doing it in a broad way, but he was doing it well. Well, there's also Robin Hood Men in Tights, another example, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, which, which isn't as good as Spaceballs. No, it's not, but, it's good, but it's not as good, right? I think Carrie Elwes carried a lot of that movie, no pun intended. The fact that, that unlike other Robin Hoods, he can speak with a British accent, he can carry, yes, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay, that was, I mean, that was aiming at kind of low-hanging fruit, because... Yes, um, because freaking, uh... Costner? No, not Costner. Which Brooks? character? The famous, the, the most famous portray, portrayal of Robin Hood. Oh, gee, I don't know. Uh, Errol Flynn? Errol Flynn, thank you. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Errol Flynn, because, like, Errol Flynn is a verb these days. Or at least he used to be. Errol flinning it up. Um, oh. In terms of, like, sword fights. Because the sword fight... Of, because Errol Flynn's sword fights were attack weapon, attack weapon, attack weapon. Never actually attack person. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Low attack weapon. But then you have Princess Bride, which mm -hmm. gives us one of the best sword fights of all time. It's funny, you see. I think you see a lot of that Flynn influence in the original like lightsaber duels in Star Wars. Quite mm -hmm. honestly, mm -hmm. the uh, speaking of actually, um, in in more episode, in more uh, of Neil digresses to this thing he talked he saw on YouTube, um, a an actual like uh, I, I saw an episode. I, I watched a. I like to watch a lot of pe various uh, pro various professionals in thing. 
react to scenes from movies. Mm-hmm. And a semi-famous, uh, and, and I saw an episode where a, a guy who was, who like had a gold medal in Saber mm-hmm. watched the Princess Bride um, fight scene. Fight scene. He's like, you know, this is actually like really solid. Like, it looks like they're actually trying to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and the thing about that was is that Carrie Owens and uh, Maggie Patinkin were the ones who put that together. <laughs> that was not something, you know, they, they actually did that whole scene themselves. Uh, I mean, there was the, there was some stunt work with, like, the, you know... Yeah, with the jump and the flip and the... Yeah. Right, but still, it was... I mean, it was just one of the best sword fight scenes I've ever seen. It's a fantastic sword, and part of the reason for that is that it doesn't look like they're not... Like, they're play sword fighting, it looks like they're sword fighting. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and... There's there's just enough flash and show, but it's subtle. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that in and of itself makes that a good parody because they were parodying every sword fight scene ever. You know, they were they were basically tongue and cheeking. You know, like when they were talking about the tongue cheeking. You, yeah, it's, it's a verb. It's an interesting way to verb, but okay. Uh, right, I verbed. Uh, anyways, um, because they were you know there was like everything they were referencing wasn't styles. It was instructors. Yeah. You know, unless you've studied Joe Crippa, which I have. <laughs> you know. Um, but then you also get Maggie Patinkin, who was a great actor. I see you, I see you using... Uh, yeah, Bonicelli. Yeah. <laughs> I find... I thought it's not suiting, given the rocky terrain. <laughs> you must have expected me to count on the cap of air. <laughs> It would Naturally, seem. but I feel, but I feel that. <laughs> yeah, Tibble, yeah. Uh, I feel Tibble to count as that kind of fair. <laughs> Unless your opponent is a Agrippa, which I have. <laughs> it's a great little exchange. That that whole movie is worth just like you could. Qu- everybody yeah. should it's see banter that movie the movie again. Watch yeah. that movie again. Yeah, like this is. Once you're done with this episode, watch that movie again. Yeah, because there, yeah, there are very few things better. It's, but this, sorry. Um, to get back to sort of where we were in the timeline mm-hmm. of bad parody movies, mm-hmm. it's worth pointing out that they, the, the, there's some irony in that Scary Movie was a direct um, parody of Scream. Which, which was it's a interesting parody movie. Wes Craven made that because it was like, the, these, movies, the, these movies are getting ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> it because. was a parody, it was a it was a parody of, and a pastiche of what had become the norm and became the new norm well, yeah, for a while. Because Scream, be- yeah. Scream starts off being very, very genre-savvy mm-hmm. because both the killer and the protagonist are genre-savvy. Yeah. Right. Uh, and they use that against each other, uh, which was kind of cool, which was one of the kind of po- cool parts about it. So it was kind of a meta-parody. Yeah. It was being very meta about its own, about its own self. Likewise, when we get to Galaxy Quest, mm-hmm. which is the best Star Trek movie, you know, made in, modern Star Trek movie made, I think. I don't know. Into Darkness is pretty good. It was. Mm. I actually enjoyed. Um, uh, that was the third, third one, one, right? No, that was the second one. Okay, sorry, I'm thinking the third one. The third Beyond? one. Beyond. Yeah, Beyond. Sorry, I. I yeah, I was gonna say, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch could not save that movie. No, no, no. I, yeah, I'm sorry. That's. <laughs> It was good, I just can't remember. The, the, the names are too generic. Right, Benedict Cumberbund could not save that movie. He did a good job, but 
Yeah, um, but yeah, Beyond was yeah Beyond was start was yeah, that was pretty know, good. Uh, but but basically, Galaxy Quest was meta parody because it took the culture of Star Trek and the culture of the actors. Yep. You know, um, and I don't want to say that line ever again. <laughs> right. By Reptar's hammer. What a savings. <laughs> um, you know, and, and which is funny because in that scene, you've got the Shakespearean trained actor phoning it in, and you have the girl that was hired for her boobs being the one that's just, you know, in the moment, you, you know. Um, uh, by the way, that's another fantastic group cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, dress up as the... Uh, the Thermians? As the Thermians. Mm-hmm. A group right. of people and follow around people and act like like uh, they're mo- like the thing that they are cosplaying as really happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I Historical documents. Historical documents. <laughs> um, so, you know, the 90s and early oddies, is that what they're called these years? Early aughts? Uh, the aughts? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you call it. Was it a bad? Really. Was was a bad time? Then with dark, dark time. <laughs> it was for, a dark time for the parodies. For parodies, because they were being churned out with methodical repetition. And it was just a lot of the stuff wasn't even really jokes. It was just like, hey, look, a reference. Hey, I'm referencing this thing. Like, hey, I'm referencing a thing. Isn't it great? How I'm referencing the thing. <laughs> not not yeah. really. It no, it's not. I came out and cosplayed Star Trek. They have, I mean, what what did they... I said a line from a movie out of context. Right? They had all... I've just got some stuff written down. Iron Man got beat by a magnet. Ha 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 ha. Some really, like, crappy movies here. Um, Meet the Spartans. Superhero movie. uh, Epic movie. Date movie. Disaster movie. Anything with movie in the fucking title. Yeah. For the most part. They're like, ha ha, this is because this is a popular... Genre of movies to pastichify. Ha 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 ha. Uh, uh, kill me now. Yeah, you have this. You have just really crappy parodies of specific franchises like the Starving Games, stuff like that. Oh, they're still. They still made those as recently as that. Uh, yes. I don't know what the year is on it, but I mean. Well, see, the thing yeah. is, is, you, you. I mean, they don't get as much uh, attention anymore. No, well, just I, good. Think, I, I think you get because you, you get those, but then you get the things that are done. You can tell, you know, Starving Games. Oh, we're just gonna make fun of this because it's popular. But then you have the parodies like that are fan made, that are are made by someone who actually loves the the franchise, like Hardware Wars. Well, that was once again '80s. Yeah, I mean that's the thing is you don't get much like that anymore. Yeah. Um, you had some other pretty good stuff in the like. Early '90s to mid '90s range, like a Loaded Weapon One. That was a pretty solid uh, send up of the Lethal Weapon series. And hot stuff. Shots. Yeah, Hot Shots, uh, Top Gun, and other assorted military oorah type movies. Mm-hmm. With Charlie Sheen doing one of his best roles ever. Yeah, that was great. I mean, Charlie Sheen does. Charlie Sheen was good in action, but yeah, he was better in comedy. And for that matter, the the baseball movie he made too. Oh, uh, well, that was, I mean, that was a comedy, but... Yeah, the baseball movie. Major League. Yeah, those yeah. were good movies. Yeah, those are good. Yeah. Um, but, that, but that was because they were doing the thing that we that, that is my common complaint. If you want to make a good movie of any type, the first step is to make a good movie and then have it be part of that type. 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because you got to you got to tell a good story with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just it, because it just because thing X is popular doesn't mean making something that fits into into genre X will be good. It still has to be good. That's yeah. why. That's why. More recently, uh, I mean, well, since the dawn of time, I guess, but especially more recently, you see a lot of these movies that that are churned out that are just so crappy because they're they're married to a premise and then they try to make a somewhat decent movie after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and then, then you have the movies that are self-parodies, like we referenced Sharknado. Yes. Right. Which was, I mean, it was a parody of itself, it's but a, it was also a parody, it's also of, a parody of monster disaster, movies. Well, disaster movies and monster movies. Right. Well, and shark movies. Yeah. Right. You've got the, yeah, you've got the natural, you know, man versus nature. Because mm-hmm. it was it was a send-up of, like, Lake Placid. Oh, and, you know what? A thought occurs to me here. There's a unique case here, because we've talked about so far mainly, like, Parodies, they're like direct parodies of a movie or franchise, and then the more broader parodies, like Airplane, where it's like a genre. Um, UHF. That is a movie of parodies. That is a, yeah, that is a, that is a send-up. It has, it has a few tricks. rewatched that. It is, it's uh, surprisingly good. Yeah. A lot of it holds up. It it does, it does. I mean, from, from, even though it was, what, the 80s, I think? Mm -hmm. It was like, I think it was around the end of the 80s, like 89. I also own the soundtrack. But yeah, it was a, That's it was because a parody I own everything of the entire yeah. <laughs> It was a parody of the entire industry. Yeah. But again, that's also Weird Al Yankovic, who lives off of parody. Yeah, it's his bread and butter. It's his thing. Yeah, I mean, that's... He, that's He's one of the few people who can... Who can reli- who could have reliably made a career out of parody. Yeah, because that's his native tongue. Yep. It's actually... It, it was actually me... Uh, finally loading all of his music onto my phone because I've owned all of his CDs for a long time. Yeah. That got right. me thinking about parodies in the first place. Right. Which is why we're having this episode. Yeah, we've come full circle. Aha! Uh-huh. And some of those... Uh, Parodyception. I mean, he's, he's great as as is, but some of the things are just so funny to get a visual for. I mean, there was, like, when music videos became a thing, mm-hmm. he did do that. And there's... He still uh, does that. Yeah, I, I still... Um, I still remember I have a VHS of, like, the greatest hits of mm-hmm. Weird Al's music videos. It's great. So, like, also, Weird Al has just, like, the some of the biggest clout and, and like, is, like, is universally respected. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he, when he did the music video for, uh, for Smells Like Teen, for Smells Like Nirvana. Yeah. He used the same set. Because... <laughs> yeah. Kurt Cobain was like, "This is hilarious. Do you want to shoot on my Do you want to shoot on my music videos?" Well, so funny. Yeah. funny story is, I remember he talked about that in an interview, and like he was saying, uh, like initially, Kurt Cobain was like all intimidated. He was like, "Oh man, I can't believe like this is uh, like I don't know about this." And then he actually like talked to him, and he was like, "Oh, okay, I get it now. I understand what you do and yeah. do your thing, man." Like his his yeah. his, his his he he said also in an interview. Uh, so he came, so Weird Al came to me and it's like, I want to make a, I want to make a parody of your of your song. And he's like, and he's like, well, are you just gonna make it about food like everything else? And Weird Al was like, no, I'm gonna make it about how nobody can understand anything you say. <laughs> to which he responded, yeah, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good stuff. That was one of the better videos. Well, see, yeah. and the reason that Weird Al can get away with this, you with that, is because if you listen to any of his songs. Um, he can sound like any 
uh, any music, any artist that he, you know, yeah. his, his his band can perfectly mimic the style of any you know any artist. When you listen to what uh, Fat, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you would not know the difference between that and Bad. Speaking of, Michael Jackson also gave him the uh, the sh- the set for Badder. Oh yeah, uh, which was the kid reshooting of, of Bad because the original sh- uh, the original set for Bad had already been torn down, but Michael Jackson was like, "We can shoot on this one." <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and then he did you know we did White and Nerdy. Mm-hmm. That was great. Yeah, I mean, Donnie Osmond, the <laughs> whitest guy of all. <laughs> and oh. the millionaire was like, "Man, this guy can this he can rap, <laughs> right?" <laughs> <laughs> Although anyone who owned Poodle Hat knows that because he almost perfectly emulated Eminem's flow. Right. While talking about nothing but television shows. Right? We could do an episode on Weird Al, too. Yeah, I mean, we could. Um, Most deaf. <laughs> I don't think we'd do an episode on him. Huh. Nah, but I'm. Psh- do a Chappelle Show episode, though. <laughs> so, yeah, other. Um, genre stuff genre um parodies um i i I really enjoyed hot fuzz as a send-up of all the like like police movies and i hadn't thought about that that's actually like well not just not just police just action movies in general yeah hot fuzz was actually a really decently good parody movie and yeah i just didn't think about it but actually really if you think about the entire cornetto trilogy are three very good um, parody movies because Shaun of the Dead is a good zombie parody movie. Right. right? Yeah, I've and got that down. we got that written down. I can't remember too. what the third one was off the top of my head, but I remember it being good. Something about the end of the world. Uh, I don't know. I didn't even really think of them as a trilogy. Yeah. They're a loose trilogy. But yeah, Hot Fuzz is just, oh God, it's so amazing. Well, it's one of those things where it's, it's like again you talked about how like mm-hmm. like an airplane like in in uh, certain movies where they're taking themselves seriously. End. Um, sorry, it's uh oh, is it actually just World's End? Is that a hitchhiker thing? Um, yeah, it's The World's End, which not as many people saw. Mm. Um, right. Well, see, and I'm thinking of what well, I'm thinking of one of my favorites from that comedic uh, from oh god Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yeah. Paul. Never saw that. Mm-hmm. Don't know. I saw it in my head either. About the alien? Yeah, no, I know what it is. I just never saw it's, it. It's, it and the thing of it is, is it's a send-up of two different uh, things. One is geek culture, because they start off by going to Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, and then they're taking a... and But then it's also uh, because they're both, you know, frustrated, um, frustrated creatives... But then they, uh, but it's also a send up of every UFO movie ever. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah, it, it's. See, I wouldn't have much of a base of reference because I haven't really seen UFO movies. Well, it's you know, the whole aliens and stuff like that. See, I think Men in Black is also a parody of a lot of that type of, you know, alien. Well, yeah, they certainly play with a lot of those tropes. But I, yeah, I, I think. It's they, less of a parody thing and than more just. Of a- it's just a com- it's like an action comedy that like references heavily. Right. It's not a parody per se, but they play with those tropes. Yeah, they, they take the tropes and they, they play around and have fun yeah. with them. Yeah. I mean when you when you look at parody movies, what makes them good compared to the bad ones is that I, I think Neil pointed out is they have a good story behind them 
they just build it within certain certain tropes. Mm-hmm. Right, because I mean, a lot of what we're talking about is like it's an approach, it's it's a style, it's how you tell a story. At the end of the day, it's still a story. And if you don't have a core story that's compelling and some characters are compelling, then it's none mm-hmm. of that shit's going to matter. And right. that's why you see so many crappy movies like. Uh, the million scary movie sequels or date movie or epic movie or disaster movie, any of those stupid movie movies where it's like, they just throw some shit together. They're like, all right, let's churn out a script. Hey, let's reference this and this and this. Oh, here's some things that a lot of people have seen put in this obligatory line here. And then it's like, whatever. And then they'll, they'll figure out how to kind of make it together, how to fit, fit it together. It's like someone has, they're trying to put together a piece of like furniture or Lego model or something. Mm -hmm. And they throw all this shit together and they're just like, Okay, well, let's now that we've got this thing we want, let's try to kind of make it work as opposed to actually following the instructions. It's just like, it's, oh, they just kind of cobble it together. Right. It's like trying to make a movie out of a bunch of Saturday Night Live skits. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Which is funny because that's a whole episode of its own is <laughs> SNL right. movies because there have been so many. Some and, of which suck, well, some and, of which are okay. To, the, to my knowledge, I can think of like four that were good. Yeah. Obviously, the Wayne's World movies are... You know, that's two right of them. There. Yeah. That's two of them. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you've got the Blues Brothers, which is... <laughs> that's another classic. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. And the other one that I can think of that worked, as far as I'm concerned, is the Conats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was actually pretty Okay, so l- let's look at, at that. Let's look at that. <laughs> because look at the era that these, that these stories came from. I mean, the Coneheads came from the original freaking Saturday. So did the Blues Brothers. And Blues Brothers. And Wayne's World was just like the second and cast in Erasure. Right, because yeah. you get Mike Myers and Dana Carvey. Right. Um, and then after you, get, uh, after uh, you lose Aykroyd and, uh, and Belushi she, and... And Chevy Chase. And, she, yeah. and yeah. I mean, yeah, you just... Start. After you lose the comedy all-stars, that was the first lineup. That was the right. first not ready for quite, yeah, not quite ready for primetime players, yeah. But then, yeah, you start, you start getting... You know, but there's no. I'm not saying the second lineup is bad by any means. By the way, to all of you haters out on the internet or typing furiously away on your keyboards, keep doing so. By the way, because we don't get nearly enough comments or emails. But um, hateful or otherwise. But like, it it's like saying, I don't know, like the thing that is absolute A list tier. Mm-hmm. Is better than it is is the is superior to the things that's like one tier below. Right, They're it's good. like the difference between a gold medal and a silver medal. You still have to work damn hard to get either. Right, it's <laughs> Iron Fist good. <laughs> no, it's not Iron Fist good. That's the thing. Iron Fist good is in, okay um, amongst amongst great amongst quality. great. Whereas it's like saying that I don't know. It's like comparing Daredevil and Luke Cage. Yeah. Um, one is probably... I would say that one is better than the other, although there are legitimate arguments for someone saying the other one is. Right. And I'm not even going to open that argument because we don't have time for that episode. Right. But, um, yeah, I think... And then there's another one, you know, speaking of uh, uh, SNL alumni. Austin Powers. Yeah, that's another, that's another good example of the movie... Uh, of the series getting worse as it progresses. <laughs> and it only had, what, three movies? Only three. Yeah, because there was... Um, I feel like 
Um, International Man of Mystery, Spy Who Shagged Me, and Goldberg. Yes. Did they? Did I'm they not? not was there not another like spinoff or a sequel or anything? No, because Goldmember like sucked. Yeah, Goldmember is terrible. Yeah, and I think Mike Myers realized, yeah, we're kind of hitting the end of that. Yeah, it, well, it was. Thanks, it's, beca- it's almost as though you know Austin Powers was a one joke character. Right. The only yeah. reason that he worked in two and a half movies was <laughs> because ev- all the other characters really, you know. Held him up. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the whole you know man at a time, you only works in one movie, and then you know, but mm-hmm. but then yeah, they spent the rest. Of the, they spent most of three working through Austin's issues. And what the hell? Um, yeah, I liked one and two, but yeah. Three, yeah, that was about it. Yeah. Well, and but, two was primarily saved, in my opinion, by Seth Green. Yeah. It's been well, so three, long since I've seen. Yeah, it. Seth Green. Being being uh, being Doc Reedle's son. Yeah, no, I, I know. I can't remember. What's his name? Scott. 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 Yeah, Scott Evil. Your evil light, Scott. <laughs> the Diet Coke of evil. <laughs> but, you know, because he had some good characters there. Because, you right. know, you had Dr. Evil. I didn't go to evil school to be called Mr. Evil. <laughs> and just that whole, that whole, you know, I'm I'm an over-the-top villain. Thank you very much. And, and doing very much the... Uh, well, it's the same shtick, right? I mean, well, no, it's, well it's 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 it, man it, out of time. Taking, it's taking the idea from uh, God damn, I can't think of his name. Um, sorry, give me a second here. Well, use your words, and maybe I'll know. <laughs> use your words. I'll just look it up here. Just <laughs> bear with me for just a second. Um, God damn it! it yeah, there it is. Peter Sellers. Um, in um, like in Doctor Strangelove, right? Which, which is was also a, a big parody, parody movie. Well, but for that matter, the Pink Panther movies were a parody yeah. of uh, you know all the detective movies. Mm-hmm. Which, but but I'm t- talking about how Sellers would frequently in in many movies play multiple roles. Oh yeah, well, and Eddie Murphy, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, do the same thing, <coughs> but um. Or is I going with this? Um, yeah, I mean, they, they were... Yeah, those were things that were just a send-up that only worked, like, once. You know, once or twice. And I think that is... Knowing, and that's the big part of, of, you know, keeping a franchise alive and relevant is knowing when to stop. Knowing when to call it quits, which was... Yeah. Which usually happens with the good movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, with the movies that, that are at least fondly remembered... Yeah. It usually happens because they got they went one too far, but realized we've gone one too far and stopped trying to do anything yeah. more. We've gone too far this time. Yeah, like they stopped making Austin Powers after the third one. Right. They stopped trying to make the Nutty remake the Nutty Professor after two. Yeah. Um, but then they then they made the clumps. <laughs> the rest of the family. <clears throat> yeah. But um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. But that's because that's because Eddie Murphy doesn't know when to stop. This is true. I made my like, point to avoid that. Right. That looked so bad. Yeah, I, me, me too. It's like, I don't want to watch a whole movie Eddie Murphy being a bunch of stupid characters. Come on. Right. Jeff Portnoy. Jeff Portnoy. Jeff Portnoy and Jeff Portnoy in The Fatties Part 3. First base, <coughs> first base Bugs Bunny, second base Bugs Bunny, third base Bugs Bunny, shortstop Bugs Bunny. Well, that's to, that, that's to bring back to the... Self-aware pseudo parody that was Tropic Thunder, right? Yeah. Because Jeff Portnoy was Jack Black's character in. Tropic oh yeah, it was. It's been a long time. Well, I've and then, then you have Shrek, 
which was a send-up of, like, everything Disney. I don't think it was so much... Uh, well, there is some I don't feel that. like it was a send-up. I, I don't feel like it was a take that at Disney, mm-hmm. so much as it was a take that at fairy tales. Yeah, I mean, it's <clears throat> there's both. <clears throat> I, I'd say fairy tale, primarily fairy tales. There's definitely some Disney elements, though. I well, mean, Pinocchio. <laughs> Pinocchio the, uh, is an old school fairy tale. I know, but Pinocchio is also was also done by Disney. Yeah, I mean, every character in there has been done by Disney. Yeah, but that's, that's like that's like about. saying have the Simpsons made an episode about it. Yeah, like yeah, of course something will have right. been done. Is it in the public? Is it a fairy tale in the public domain? Disney's, Disney's made a movie it. out of it. Yeah. Exactly. And th- I would say the most direct, the strongest case for that is when they they go in there and there's like. Uh, the kingdom and it's like a big amusement park and like that's right. that's no, a very that much that was definitely a take that, that was yeah that was very much a Disney thing but yeah. aside from that one bit like that there's not really much direct stuff beyond that I don't think yeah. no it was just a it was just a, a facetiously grim and gritty st- fairy tale right mm-hmm. yeah. it was like <laughs> this is you know this is this is a fairy tale written with 90s cynical sensibility. And the thing is, Shrek is very much, <coughs> that's very much a case where they didn't just go one too far to learn the lesson. They just kept pumping those fuckers out. Right. The first couple movies were good, but like everything else is just eh. Eh, the third one was okay. Tell you what, tell you what uh, wasn't okay, any of the video games. Of Shrek? He had a lot. And pretty much all of them were not all that good. It's funny because it would be—you'd think it would be something that lends itself to the media, the medium well, but yeah, but it fell yeah. victim to the standard uh, curse of movie tie-in, uh, right? Of, of movie yeah, very few of those have ever been done well. Yep, there there are a few Spider-Man games that were done well, but uh, not not many. Yeah, because those aren't typical; those are only pseudo movie tie-ins. They're well, mostly true. comic book tie-ins. Yeah, because right. they only very, very barely follow the plot of the movie. Right. Right. That's fair. Uh, let's see what other ones to touch on here. Um, I don't think it was specifically mentioned earlier, but in the the early '90s when it's still strong, there's a Top Secret that was a pretty, pretty good one. A lot of good sight gags in that. If oh, people Val, are yeah, fans of visual humor. I don't remember Top Secret. Is it Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's a send up of a lot of spy movies and stuff, and right. it and has the the infamous cow catapult, and I think that's actually in the cover of the case, the the cow. I thought that was I thought that was Monty Python. But... No, Monty Python also did a cow thing, but this was yeah. this was a this was specific to Top Secret, right? Because I remember because I, I referenced that in one of my character. Books. I mean, bar, barnyard animals in humorous uh, right. context is is a very common thing, and right. yeah, they definitely did the cow thing. Right. Well, I love the whole the whole Swedish scene, which was basically them filming the scene backwards. Yeah. You know, um, and speaking it in English and then filming it and playing the playing everything in. Uh, yeah, backwards. Well, that's kind of that's kind of a genre within a genre is the uh, the parody movies of like martial arts movies and like foreign movies and stuff. Oh yeah, and, like Kung Pao and Kung, Kung Fu Pao. Hustle. Yeah, and, Kung, yeah, uh, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, and then you get. Um, well, Kung Fu Hustle was its own thing because Stephen Chow made it too. Right. Yeah. Like Stephen Chow, we haven't even talked talked about the fact that he's been making kung fu parody movies. For years, right? Just in China, mm. 
<laughs> but uh, I mean, from that for that, I'm sorry, mean, almost Kung Fu yeah. Panda is a Kung Fu hustle. But if you think about, yeah. uh, but if you want to talk about a good parody, how about Kung Pao Enter the Fist? Yeah, I mentioned Kung Pao. <laughs> yeah, um, I just didn't give the subtitle. Right. Which, by the way, my God, what a subtitle! Enter the fist. Phrasing. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Sensitivity. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, and then okay, there was another one. PCU. Is that really a parody, though? It well, yeah. It was a, it was a it was a cultural parody. Well, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we, I don't remember this. PCU is a great movie. Uh, it's uh, a it's a comedy about a, a about a guy basically who's going to like his for his week a weekend at PCU right. It's still in high school. I don't. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't quite remember the my, exact premise. One of my favorite you know lines was uh, that sounds know. right though because I remember him like the Jeremy Piven character was like showing him around. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like he was like showing. It was like a campus tour type thing. Right. So I feel like that's right. I feel like it was towards the end of his senior year, and he was doing like a weekend thing there to like check out the school or something. Right. Yeah. I, I need to watch that movie again. Because I remember the I remember the one time. I remember the one scene where there's the guy who has the thesis or the you know the uh, the um, uh, term papers yeah for sale right you know and it's like and taking uh, you know ancient Babylonian you're taking a dead language. <laughs> you know, Latin's all I got. Uh, you know, or the guy who's you know doing one in phys ed. You know, he's majoring in phys ed. He's like, get out. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, PCU is hilarious in that it does send up a lot of things. Like, there's like you know the vegetarians on campus. They pelt them with raw steak. Um, yeah, all the little cliques and groups and stuff. Yeah, it makes makes so much fun of the little cliques and groups. Uh, you know, it'll be fascinating to rewatch that movie now in. Because that that movie came out like twenty years ago. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like how much of that is the same, how much has changed, how much of it's worse. Right. So how much they how much <laughs> it endured. Yeah. You know how much of it still uh, does it hold 90s? up today? Yeah. Yeah, I'll be fascinated to see how well it holds up. Yeah. Because yeah, things have definitely become eminently more mockable when it right? comes to you know universities and such. So, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, another university. Another quick little. Um, plug here with uh, with Leslie Nielsen stuff Dracula dead and loving it oh god yes <laughs> well and then there is uh, was uh, was that the one was that Leslie that wasn't Leslie Nielsen uh, yeah, it was. yeah it was he played Dracula yeah okay no I'm thinking of another one another parody of it only it was um, oh who's the guy who's perpetually tanned George Hamilton yes George Hamilton um, it's funny that I didn't even have to guess twice. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, clearly it's George Hamilton. Perpetually. Yeah. <laughs> in playing Dracula, you know. Uh, yeah, no, that is pretty funny in and of itself. Uh, let's, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, PCU came out in 94. Um, okay, so, wow, okay, so like 25 years. Right, yeah, wow. exactly. Holy crap. It's uh, insane to think. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, 25 God makes me feel so old Right Makes you feel old <laughs> I'm allowed to have things Make me feel old Love at first bite You can use the word ancient <laughs> No He's venerable Venerable 
Love at First Bite came out in 79. Hmm. Gives him plus two to all the mental stats and minus three to all. <laughs> That's probably one of the uh, one of the most commonly parodied thing is those classic monster movies. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, what about this? I think you'd find a nice Jewish girl and leave Penny alone. <laughs> but you could get away with things like uh, there's a there's a point where Dracula's coffin gets mixed up with uh, another person's coffin who happens to be a black man, and the line he says, you know, in there could only have been done pre-1980. Um, <clears throat> and because, yeah, just the way it... Um, and you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today. You would never get away with it. Right? Honestly, I'm kind of amazed that he got away with making it and it when he made it. Yeah. Well, yeah, the thing there is that I think, I mean, first of all, it was Mel Brooks. And uh, was it Cleavon Little? Um, I think so. Everyone had to be had to be on on board on board with, with that. that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Cleavon Little. Wow. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> go put in a put in for a Google search. I get Blaze B L A Z and Blazing Saddles is the first thing that comes up. Well, the uh, I mean a lot of that is like Mel Brooks. He was very much a force of nature where he would mm-hmm. he would have a vision and he would just sprint to the finish line and just do it. Right. And he wouldn't give a shit. Also, he took on he, he took he always took on very serious subjects. Right, because it wasn't just yeah. a comedy, he was addressing racism. Yeah. And that's uh, part of why it why it worked. Which is why he's a which is and it's also why uh mm-hmm. Mel Brooks is one of the few people that that has successfully gotten away with making a comedy out of Nazis. This is true. Well, I feel like the thing is, like, <laughs> back then, people, there was a lot more, um, there's a lot more, pe- there's a lot more listening and nuance involved, whereas now it's like, if somebody wants to, if somebody tries to do something, or even just have a conversation about something, people will just, like, shout them down and be like, ah, you can't right. talk about this, ah, well, it's, this is so know, offensive, ah. Well, because here's, here's where I think Mel Brooks took Blazing Saddles into territory that no one else could. The leading man is black. Mm-hmm. You know, the white guy is his, you know, is his yeah. sidekick. Well, a lot of that stuff is where it's like, it's, you know, the intent of it, like mm-hmm. the, the, um, the, I guess you could say the benevolence of it, mm-hmm. is like the proof is in the pudding. Where it's right. like, you can get offended by certain words all mm-hmm. you want, but at the end of the day, when the black character is the lead character and the hero and the white guy is the silly sidekick that tells you all you need to know right like, exactly. clearly he's not out to like you know denigrate black people or anything right no because Cleveland quite Lee, the opposite yeah Cleveland Lee will Cleveland Little played the played the perfect straight character yeah although he did have his you know he did have a lot of his comedic well good comedic lines he played really well to Gene Wilder you realize it's only a matter of time before using the phrase "the straight man" is going to be offensive to people, right? <laughs> oh, the straight man! Oh. Right? Yeah, the serious guy. Yeah. What? And and the thing is, is that I mean, because one of my favorite sight gags is one I actually pulled, uh, you know, uh, with you know, it's like, look at this, steady as a rock. This is the hand I cast with, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I mean, that was. Gene Wilder does some of the, some, you know, does some really good uh, deadpan comedy. I mean, oh, yeah, um, he's great at that. Um, and 
but yeah, I think I think that was why Blazing Saddles could be made and did get made the way it did was because it took those things, addressed them, but did it in a in a really cool way. You know, not just sensitive, but you know, said no, this is you know, let's let's do it this way. You know, let's do it in such a way that yeah, it's you know this this particular thing that we that we normally embrace does not make sense if we look at it too closely. Right, and it and it was one of those things where it's like it's so well written and so broadly appealing that yeah. everyone kind of it's not this thing where it's like oh okay this is only this is a movie for a certain segment of people right? right it's not like oh this is a cult classic and only certain people know about it or it's this genre oh, yeah. and only people that are fans of this fans of this genre will really mm-hmm. see it and appreciate it. No, it's like. It was this thing that just it had mass appeal, and everyone kind of gets to like have the conversations and participate, and it's like a kind of a cultural like mm-hmm. um, marker or milestone, if you will. Exactly. Well, and you know, then you have you have you also have really good actors overall. I mean, you had Harvey Corman, was, who who also plays the perfect serious stand-up. Well, yeah, it's definitely guy. a great cast. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, and then of course Madeline Kahn, mm-hmm. you know, as Lily von Stupp, which was perfect. And you know, going back looking at Young Frankenstein, ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like maybe we should do an episode on uh, on uh, on uh, Brooks at some point, but not soon. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, not and, soon because you know we're talking about him a lot right now. Right. Well, but actually, going back and revisit because we we talk about a lot about how man he did a lot of good movies and he did, but he also was not um, infallible. There were some movies that he made that were duds, but I'd have to think about it for a while. Yeah, there were very few and far between, and got forgotten really quick. Well, when you he... when you're that prolific, I mean, it's inevitable. Nobody bats right. a thousand. Yeah. Especially when you're actually like you're you're being creative and actually trying different stuff all the time. Oh yeah, it's kind of like how you have like great musical artists and bands, and they'll have an album that just doesn't seem to work. Right. And it's like you know, I'd I'd take that any day over the the band or artist that doesn't really try much and just kind of has like middling stuff for decades. You know. Yeah. Okay. So funny bit of trivia about Mel Brooks. Get smart. He wrote that. You mean the uh, the original show? The, yeah, the original show. Yeah. Interesting. And we'll we'll, we'll come back to him yeah, we'll at a future point in time. Let's let's right. save let's save trivia for uh, let's save, save Mel Brooks trivia for the for the Mel Brooks episode. Fair enough. Right. Um, we got about ten minutes left. Um, we just kind of got to the point where we listed a lot of parody movies. Well, why don't, well, um, why don't we talk about... What, how about the current state of parody movies? Why don't we discuss that for a Yeah, minutes? current state of parody movies. I like that. Um, they're not really making them making them all that we much. We kind of touched on it earlier. It was mainly like movies that are... Uh, par- self-parody. They are self-parodying movies these days. Yeah, for yeah. the most part. I, I think parody movies... Are movies from to... the asylum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, I think parody movies have now gone to the point where they are somewhat meta, in that you can't make a parody movie without actually making the movie itself seriously, mm-hmm. and just making it genre sap. Yeah, like the yeah, and a lot of them instead, uh, in a lot of parody movies, because we're because like 
We're we're in we're in a very heavy blockbuster age right now. You know, mm -hmm. you got everything's got to have a huge budget and mm -hmm. everything along those lines. A lot of parody movies typically are going to be smaller budget, sort of more indie films, mm -hmm. and or they've gone online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my, my thought process there is um, Darkest Dungeon. This is me giving you a, a confused so, look. <laughs> so, there was a movie made out of the Jack Chick tract. Oh. Darkest Dungeon. Oh. Really? I thought that was I thought I thought that was an early Tom Hanks one. That you're thinking mazes and monsters. Yeah, you're thinking mazes and monsters. You're right. Darkest Dungeon. By the way, if you ever want to see oh, Tom yes. Hanks do some terrible acting, <coughs> I know the one you're talking about because they got permission. Yeah, I'm sorry, not Darkest Dungeon. Um, I think. Sorry, give me a second. Is it Darkest Dungeon? Hang on a second. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, uh, gosh, making fun of the chick track. That's sorry, no, Dark Dungeons. Dark Dungeons, 2014. Yes. Yep. And um, it, it became it became a parody because it took itself so seriously. Well, no, that was the only way they could ever make it. The yeah. only way they could make a Dark Dungeons movie, which is based off of a chick tract, is mm -hmm. by playing it 100% straight. Right? So let me get this straight. They wanted to make a movie... Showing how ridiculous it was. So they just made a movie that took itself seriously, trusting that people would see how ridiculous it is. And they got permission from Chick himself. They got the licensing from, well, the company, but yes. Well, whatever. Yeah. Made by the same people, ironically, who made, the, who made a previous movie called The Gamers, The Dorkness Rising. Oh, those uh, zombie Orpheus made it. I believe yeah. so. Yes. Uh, so and, and and this is one of those movies that has the weirdest. Yes, zombie Orpheus Entertainment made. I did not know that. Um, <laughs> which apparently the people who owned the rights to the Chick Tract just like weren't aware of any of the rest of their filmography. It's called Google. I know, right? I mean, do an internet search, really. Big well, remember shit. this: these, this is this is a company that still thinks that putting you know pulp uh, pulp uh, comics out is a good way to you know get the good word out. Also, that the King James Bible is the only legitimate Bible, and that Catholics are uh, and the Catholics are all going to hell. Yeah, that's. Uh... It's an interesting Jack Chick has some interesting um, religious opinion. I mean, that's just like a billion people just right out the gate. I know, right? It's like, really? Yeah, but no, the Catholics are a secret are a secret arm of the devil. Even though we're the origin of the entire church, but okay. Right? <coughs> Catholic means universal. Yeah, how does that work? Uh, right? I'm just like... If you read, no, that, I know that's his big thing. Like the Pope, I have might seen. Be the I, I've seen some of the tracks where it's like the weird conspiratorial anti-Catholic shit. Oh, and, and rock music also. Yeah, well, you know, what are you gonna do? Everything is. This is like Bobby Boucher's mother. It's like it's the devil. <laughs> rock music and comic books and D and D and the uh, Catholics and yeah, it's yeah. Welcome to Satanic Panic. I, I have this I very bad that. urge um, for next Vision Con. To print off a bunch of copies of Who Will Be Eaten First and give them away. <laughs> Which, if you haven't seen Who Will Be Eaten First, is, to bring it back to, th to theme, yeah. a parody of Chick Tracts, mm -hmm. except it is uh, proselytizing for Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. 
nice. Eaten last. <laughs> but yeah. Well, no, no, that's the uh, thing. You don't want to be eaten last. Right. You want to be eaten as soon as possible once the once the great old ones return right. and create hell on earth. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, that takes us to a whole new territory. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, I can't really think of, I mean, aside from, like, the Sharknado example, mm-hmm. I can't really think of anything in the last several years that has well, really everything been that, everything that Everything that sci-fi recently seems to be coming out with is some sort of B-movie... Yeah. The uh, sci-fi channel is currently the B-movie parody movie... Source, channel. yeah, because you know they're getting a lot of their movies from the Asylum Entertainment. I was right. I wasn't joking when I said movies from the Asylum. The right. Asylum is a production company, who their whole thing is they make crappy, low budget uh, parodies mm-hmm. of uh, of big movies, but they do so knowingly. Yeah, right. And most of them honestly aren't all that good, like Atlantic Rim. Jeez, oh, which was really bad. That's so on the nose. The asylum. Yep, there we go. The asylum. Hmm. Uh, Mockbusters. Yeah, that's their their whole thing. Is instead, 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 what they do is they just instead of trying to be a parody, what they really do is they like, okay, well, let's see if we can remake this movie with one one hundredth of a, of the budget. <sighs> I would like to see good parody movies come back into vogue, but I'm not sure it's really ever going to happen because our the culture these days is much more heavily mocking and um, and self-referential. Yeah, that it's almost like it just. Well, I feel like a big part of this, right, mm-hmm. is like technology and culture and social media shifts, where it's like the. The, the the task of parodying these things has been like delegated or outsourced or whatever you want to call it to just random ass people like everyone and their mother has to the internet yeah everyone and their mother has a YouTube parody video or some kind of thing like that is just done because it's like people see before people would have all these ideas and stuff but they wouldn't like have a an immediate avenue to share or distribute them now we were in the internet 2.0 days where everyone can just like quickly share all this like high quality video and everything and people can comment and do all this stuff. Um, now it's like there's an immediacy there where nobody really feels like there's a need to really do it in an official capacity. It's like, oh, well, that's already been done a million times. And right. Probably better than we can do it. So let's not do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is great and terrible at the same time because it, it has the chilling effect of missing out on some of the, you know, possibilities. But then again, it's also great because people are already doing that stuff and often doing it well. So I guess that's why I don't feel like I miss it because, like, you still get it. It's just in a different context, you know? Like, you're still right. getting all this parodies and all this stuff. It's just not in the traditional, like, official wide-release format that you right. would in, like, say, the 90s. Right. Know? So, yeah, and, and along those lines, I mean, you have the Although, initial... sorry. Uh-huh. I was going to say, um, you, you do get, uh, you, you get, you get rare, you still get rare standouts, um, like uh, 2009's Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Followed by Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus, 
Mecha Shark versus and, Mecha Shark, <laughs> and and Colossus. And Mecha Shark versus wow. Colossus. Yeah. The Asylum. You, if you have watched a a, a bad, a bad movie on sci-fi recently, you probably watched an Asylum movie. Right. I haven't though. Then you have Paranormal Entity, which is a takeoff of uh, Paranormal, Paranormal Activity. activity yeah. Right. Um, Titanic Two. <laughs> So yeah, I guess that, that kind of wraps up the whole current state is go to sci-fi or go to YouTube. Yep. That's basically it. That's your source for that stuff. Yep. More or less. Yep. For better or worse. Mm-hmm. We will talk next time about something else. Um, coming up soon, uh, in the month of October, we're going to be doing our first two-part episode where we talk about the Showa era of Godzilla. So look forward to that. Or cringe, as you will. Um, but in the meantime, this has been Neil. The one true Ben. Mike. And we will talk to you next time on Geek Fanthology. Hit the button, Frank. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter B and the number 87. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast, or there's someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media. Sending us an email, leaving us a comment, rating us if you're on iTunes. In general, please just engage with us. It really helps to, uh, to work the algorithms and build up our enthusiasm for the project. If you really enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us either by making a one-time donation on our website, workingtheoryproductions.com, or a reoccurring one at Patreon at patreon.com slash workingtheory. Also, make sure to check out our Facebook pages for interesting uh, links to things as well as updates about the, the podcast. A final thought. I have no final thought this week.